Lights. Marker. Rosebud. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you did that fantastic. I love your delivery, dude. Was it good? That was I'm really sure good. Was good. Dude, you sounded like you were on your deathbed. Really? Yeah. That was better than Orson Welles. I can do, do another take if you want me to. <laughs> no. No, not necessary. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Are you sure? I really want to give another take. No, no. Uh, maybe at the end. Okay. Maybe at the end when we're all on our deathbed. Sounds good. And welcome everybody to the group. Coming at you live, kinda sorta, not really, once again, is Group Film, and we're here to discuss what many believe is the greatest film of all time. Now, well, okay, hey, hey, hold it. We're gonna talk about it, okay? Yeah. But tonight's episode is featuring the all-time classic Citizen Kane. And man, am I excited to talk about this. Me too. I actually am excited. It's we haven't talked about it yet since we watched the movie. Right. And so I'm really interested to hear all your thoughts. I want to hear JJ's thoughts. Exactly. Oh, wait, wait, it was Citizen Kane? No, that was Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> He's no. kidding, everyone. Please don't turn off the podcast. This is not an excuse for you to watch the wrong movie when this we invite you. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't, please don't follow that bad example. Anyways, no, it's exciting stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about it. Your host today, myself, uh, Brian. We've got Steven here as well. Hey, hey. And we have our guest star. Do you want to go by uh, Javier? Do you want to go by Javi? you want to go by JJ? What's your alias? You, you can pick. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> Just pick. Just pick I'm going to call him JJ. That's what I've always called and him. And lately I've been calling him Javi, so I think we're going to just go back and forth and hopefully our listeners don't get confused. Yeah, we're talking about the same guy. It's the same guy. There's only three of us here. Yeah, there's only three. It's not hard to keep track. And oh. uh, and I want to take a minute and ask Javi here, what what are your credentials, bro? What You need to give us your resume here as to like why should we listen to your opinion. Yeah, why are you here? Because you invited me <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Oh, okay, He's that's good. pretty good. He gives yeah. good answers. No, that's pretty good. I like him. Okay. I we'll can't, keep him for now. Can't argue with that logic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alrighty, guys. Well, let's go ahead and get started with tonight's episode with everybody's favorite segment of all time, and that's story time with Andy. Now, unfortunately, Andy is not in this episode with us. I was expecting some kind of snide comment as far as like, you know, oh, thank God or something. <laughs> But no, you're it didn't a better. Happen. No, you're a better brother yeah. than that. That's Love you, Andy. <laughs> no, I just thought about it. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, we do have a story lined up for you guys, and so what I'll do is I'll just give you a real quick uh, headline and you know brief explanation, and let's go ahead and talk about it. Can so, I give? I'll do mine right after. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So we have an article here uh, that Vulture posted on uh, September sixth, and it's titled "The Decomposition of Rotten Tomatoes." The most overrated metric in movies is erratic, reductive, and easily hacked, and yet has Hollywood in its grip. That's really uh, strong. Scathing, isn't it? Yeah. Man. And one of the main things that it talks about in this uh, article is how a movie PR firm, public relations firm, called Bunker 15, took uh, an approach to try to bump the critic scores of different movies that it would represent. Mm -hmm. So what it would do is, is that it would contact a lot, a lot of, you know, small time, sometimes self-published critics and buy their reviews for 50 bucks a piece. Wow. 
and of Only course 50 bucks you get you get enough of those and you know it's going to add up both for their wallets and also for the score of the movies involved mm-hmm. because they really want to reach that 60 percent threshold that you know that makes it either fresh or rotten mm-hmm. they want to avoid a rotten so they're gonna they're gonna pay money to do it wow so <clears throat> pretty big news especially considering it's a metric that even we use on this podcast when talking about uh, critics and audience scores but what do you guys think is is this the death of rotten tomatoes if it's true and if it's been going on for a long time and they can't control it yes yeah because you lose trust in the in Absolute. the system now i'm questioning a bunch of movies that might have gotten good reviews right because of this um it's really unfortunate if you are the person um producing a film or you're in, in, involved in it and you are going to these people to do that it shows a lack of faith in your project mm-hmm. um i think any artist would never do that uh simply because their art is subject or is a uh, good or bad based on how they feel its own merit right yeah mm-hmm. and it's not based on what popular opinion is yeah so if i'm the director of a film it's my movie i don't care what the rotten tomato score is mm-hmm. i know at the end of it if it's good or bad i'll exactly. make that determination yep and so i would never it would violate my integrity to uh go to anybody like bunker 15 mm-hmm. yeah i agree and so i guess the question is like let's let's put ourselves from the filmmaker's perspective okay yeah we made the film we believe it's good but we see that score dropping and unfortunately a lot of people will determine if they're going to watch a movie or not based off that score Mm -hmm. and that's why it says you know it has it has like a stranglehold on hollywood basically this rotten tomato meter so um do how would you feel if you didn't ask for it but you found out that a PR firm is trying to boost your numbers. Again, this is a this is a project that you're proud of, right? But you have to go based off this score, which kind of down the line equals success and maybe more opportunities for you. But still, how would you feel? It's a double-edged sword, man. It really is because I'm in that position. And I'm like, I'm grateful. I'm like, wow, this is gonna hopefully get me like you said more opportunities Mm -hmm. it's gonna Mm -hmm. get my uh movie recognition and uh, people are gonna be aware of it but at what cost yeah it's you know people are being paid off Mm -hmm. for that to happen that that would kill me i think i i couldn't live with that Mm -hmm. i think i think the the downside of it is greater than the upside yeah yeah javi what do you think Uh, no i I think i would be thankful I, i would actually like that because um more people would go watch your movie. So if they really enjoy your movie and it's a, actually a good movie, then I mean, they're gonna appreciate it. So I don't know. I think. But you'd be okay with the fact that people got paid, basically, to say it's good. To say it's good. Uh... <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you actually. Call yourself like a movie or film, you know, like enthusiast. You're going to watch the movie and make your own opinion about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe that's going to be your motivation to watch it according to the to that meter. Mm-hmm. But if it's actually a really good movie, then they're going to have a good opinion about it. I see. So what you're saying is 
even though reviews are bought, why even listen to them? Yeah, exactly. Because in the end, it's just that aggregate score that matters. I think all this is just him justifying that he probably accepted money to write reviews. Are oh you a reviewer? Gosh. Look at look at that and smile. You, yeah, he's he's and, hiding something. <laughs> Should we kick him off the pod right now? <laughs> no, not yet. He's gonna have to go through a trial or something because he's staying very quiet. Yeah, right exactly. He's suspicious. He's, he's not saying a he's single thing. Super sus right now. Yeah. Okay. All right then. We're gonna we're gonna come back and talk about that. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, uh, this was this was an interesting story, you know, and obviously it kind of makes us doubt. Uh, the validity not that it was super trustworthy to begin with you know that score but it just kind of makes us doubt it even more as far as you know how accurate are those scores really yeah i'm concerned that sharknado is not as good as it says on rotten tomatoes yeah you know i i saw that the meg 2 got a zero percent and i 100 percent believed it not now wait what did sharknado get (laughs) i don't know i just said oh The first low-budget film that came to mind. <laughs> there are movies that you can see the trailers to, or you just know what it, who's involved in it, yeah. and you know it's going to be horrible. And so when you see a really, really bad score on Rotten Tomatoes, you never question if there was any money being exchanged for that. It's yeah. like, no, it's actually trash. They didn't even try yeah. to buy anyone off. It's just sad that the good ones sometimes are being bought. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That is true. Anyways... Okay, that, so that was interesting. What, uh, what, what's, uh, what is it called? Nugget of information do you have for us, Steve? So um, you know that, like a lot of things in life, um, a person's trajectory in Hollywood can be determined by timing, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, it's timing that determines mm-hmm. whether or not you get something, whether or not you go the way that you think you're going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all know that uh, Hayden Christensen was Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to hire a brand new actor because they were doing a time jump, so he needed to be an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have our opinions, maybe, on Hayden. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't want to go into that. <laughs> but I will say that I was surprised to find out that somebody actually met about the role that you guys might be interested to, to learn about. Who? Who was it? Big name. Take a guess. Really? Big name. At the time? Great actor. Yes. For, for the role of Anakin. Yes. Right now, you you think about this person taking on that role, and you would just laugh and say he's super overqualified. Dang. Zac Efron. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not Zac Efron. At the time, I don't know. Was it Leo? Leo. Really? Leonardo DiCaprio met with George Lucas and sat down with him to talk about Anakin Skywalker no. and being potentially cast in it. Yeah. So, you know, you oh. think about where he was in his career at the time. Yeah. You know, he had done Titanic and oh who knows what else. God. So he's he's a big name in everything and um, and might have worked because he has similarities to Jake Lloyd. You know, mm-hmm. so it would have looked mm-hmm. like an older Jake Lloyd. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, after talking to Lucas, he politely declines. Mm. and says that he would actually prefer to work with one of Lucas's friends, Martin Scorsese, <laughs> who would be his first time working with this Martin Scorsese guy. Mm-hmm. You know, supposedly got a really good reputation, good movies. Yeah. Um, so he was going to meet Mr. Scorsese and talk about doing this film called Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. So the the funny part about all this is you imagine he gets the role in episode two gets absolutely destroyed because the writing is so bad not even his good acting skills can save it right 
never meets with Scorsese. Scorsese is a guy who picks a, a, a an actor and he sticks with him for a long time. We that's something that he's mm-hmm. always done. Yeah. Um, and we know what actually happened. So imagine that Leo never meets with Scorsese, never does Gangs of New York, because he didn't do that. He never continues collaborating with Scorsese. Never mm-hmm. does The Aviator, for which he gets an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Never does The Departed, for which he gets an Oscar nomination. Never does Shutter Island. Never does Wolf of Wall Street, for which he gets another Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. And never gets to do his upcoming film, Killers of the Flower Moon. That's right. Yeah. His entire career as an actor could have completely tanked or gone in a completely different di- direction yeah. if he had said yes to Lucas and been Anakin Skywalker. Maybe his next big role would have been showing up in Kenobi. <laughs> How unfortunate. Dang. You know? That and is so crazy. It just wow. goes to show you sometimes you got to say no to even very important people. You just got to have a sixth sense about this thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was right. He made the right call and he's had a great career since. Hayden, you know, uh, I'm sure that he's happy, but uh, not the same. Yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely in hindsight because I don't think he was too happy when these movies released. It's now years later, in retrospect, that pop culture has kind of uh, seen these in a in a more positive light. Yeah, and the new generation, the the kids that grew up watching those prequel movies, are just like it was great masterpieces and stuff. And uh, that's a, a discussion in itself. But yeah, um, right. yeah now th- there's a lot of nostalgia, and uh, I think that's what is making people feel that way because mm-hmm. when you go back and look at the films no they're still not great yeah we're gonna save that for a special episode yeah wow. so, so the lesson learned is that i should have said no whenever you invited me <laughs> that's not the lesson wow, JJ. <laughs> wow. Oh, sorry, that's, sorry, what, sorry. that's what you get no, no, sorry. Sorry, sorry that's what you get Gee, thanks, man. Only 14 minutes into this, and I'm, I'm already like questioning, did we make the right call? Yeah, exactly. We invited someone who says he should have said no, who accepts yeah. money to write reviews. Yeah. yeah. It's just like the complete opposite of, of the kind of Everything we stand for. We, st- we want him to be. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to give you a chance to redeem yourself there, Javi. And uh, we're going to do that by going into our discussion of the greatest movie of all time according to some people some people and that's citizen king now we're going to do a very quick no cap recap of the story and the events of the movie so for you listeners out there that have not seen this movie yet uh, please be warned we are going into some very very heavy spoilers we're essentially spoiling the entire movie for you here yes sir so uh if you for some reason just want to skip the recap and listen to the rest of the podcast i don't know why you would do that Uh, or or pause and go watch the movie or if you don't care listen to it and then watch the movie afterwards but this is your last warning all right here we go so our story begins with the death of charles foster kane a newspaper mogul and highly influential tycoon of his time with his dying breath he utters a single word rosebud Well, the story continues with the newsreel of Kane's life, all of his life's accomplishments and deeds. And after it plays, we see the introduction of reporter Mr. Thompson, who receives the assignment of finding out the meaning of the mysterious word Rosebud. Mr. Thompson interviews and investigates those who were closest to Kane, and each have their own story to tell regarding their involvement in Kane's life. 
We see how his parents gave him away to be raised by a bank and to inherit his fortune as an adult. His rise in the newspaper industry, his passion to fight for the underprivileged, his venture into politics, and the beginning and end of both marriages. But we also see how his own power and pride were his own downfall, leaving him alone and unloved. By the end, we have a complete picture of the complicated life of the citizen known as Cain. And his belongings are now either being repossessed, sold, or destroyed. But even with all of this, Mr. Thompson found no clear answer to the meaning of the mysterious final word. Only we, as an audience, can see Cain's childhood sled named Rosebud, tossed into the furnace to be burned and lost forever. And it's up to you, the viewer, to decide its final meaning. Ooh. I like how you wrote that. Ooh. That's yeah, nice. Exactly. It's up to you as the viewer to decide its final meaning. Is that how most people feel, or is there a definite answer to this? Because I thought that there was. Well, Orson Welles gives a definite answer. Okay. So I guess you could argue that. But any filmmaker knows that when you find meaning in a work of art, it's yours. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, and that's up to you. So the, um, I guess the definite answer to what does Rosebud mean wasn't clearly defined by the film itself, um, but I mean, it gives you a very, very clear indication of what it's supposed to represent. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's why uh, several people throughout the years, and this movie is one of the most you know, reviewed movies of all time, and yeah. discussed and analyzed and everything else, um, you're going to hear different answers. Yeah. I've got one, and I'll share it with you guys later. Okay. When we get a little further down, I'll let you know. Okay. And, and I'll, I'd like to hear what you guys think about that answer. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So, let's go ahead and talk about why do we love or not love this movie. We've entered now the group discussion segment of our podcast. So, what do you guys think? First of all, do we love this movie? Do we like it? Do we dislike it? Do we hate it? Where are you at on the spectrum here? Who do you want to go first? I mean, let's hear from Javi first. Okay, I'll, I'll go first. Go for it. Uh, I love this movie, actually. Love. I, I love it. Wow. I love okay. it. Okay. All yeah. right, nice. then. I'm impressed. Interesting. Yeah. Steven? I think that this is the first time um, since we started doing group film that I'm going to say I didn't love this movie. Mm. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching it. I did. Um, it's a very well-made film, especially for its time. But I did not love it. Okay. And uh, that, you know, there are factors that go into that. And maybe one of them is the fact that it's 82 years old. Uh, maybe. And that, that might it, be. It, it, because of that, it's, it's harder for a movie that was made in 1941 to keep the attention span of mm-hmm. somebody from my generation. Yeah. And, and I can totally understand that. Um, my initial reaction which is part of this discussion too right is what was our reaction when we first watched this movie my initial reaction was i like it like you said i don't love it uh probably didn't watch it at the best time of day it was already nighttime <laughs> that was a mistake it bro. was it was a little tough to to watch and to hold my attention also but um but I did revisit several scenes of the movie after the initial watch. Okay. And that that bumps me up to the love it section. Really? Yeah. Okay, nice. Because now I see what a lot of people see mm-hmm. and, and their reasons for appreciating this movie. Um, would you share that reasoning, Javi, when you say you love this film? Well, I mean, it's pretty much the same 
same idea that Brian said. Um, I feel like if you just watch the movie without really knowing like the context or like the circumstances or you know more about the movie, the details, you wouldn't really appreciate it that much. And I think what mm-hmm. what Javi's saying is true. That probably put me at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so, I did I did no research on this movie before watching it. I right. just sat down and rented it. Yeah, and I wanted to go in fresh, but at the same time, I knew that this movie was revolutionary in its own right. So I kind of had a, a different perspective when watching it. Like I, I was trying to watch for some of those new techniques and things mm-hmm. that it pioneered in the uh, in the age of filmmaking. So oh, there's things to praise about this movie for oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we're gonna discuss the uh, the actual filmmaking process here in a bit you got something yeah yeah well i was just gonna say the another reason why i really liked the movie was because the influence and the amount that it impacted other directors yes to make movies that we love and enjoy yep just with that makes me love this movie yeah exactly that's that is one thing also um if there's certain directors and certain styles and certain camera shots and framing and camera movement in some of your favorite movies, you might be surprised to find out it started with this one. Yeah. Uh, Citizen Kane, from what I saw, was the most influential movie of all time mm-hmm. and probably very influential to other directors. Yeah. No, it's... Oh, man. It is... <laughs> okay. All right. Before I start gushing about it... Oh, let's, man. Let's see. <laughs> I didn't know you were ready to gush. Let's, <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> Let me get some paper towels. I was... Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, we can start with paper towels. If it gets really crazy, bro, I got some actual towels oh we can use. Oh my god! No one knows when the gush is gonna oh. happen. Okay, oh. it's unpredictable. Oh jeez, <laughs> that that makes been, me very uncomfortable. <laughs> I've been through that before. Oh, oh god! All right, listeners, I'm sorry about that. Do we agree with the critics and audience scores? If you look at the Metacritic score, the meta score for this movie. It is at 100. Now, granted, it's like 19 reviews because you got it was 100? it was the reviews at the time. I this, show, the tomato meter showed me. That's oh, the, that, oh, that's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the meta score. Meta, meta score. Yeah, Sorry. and again, those are the critics at the time that reviewed this. Now, Rotten Tomatoes will bring in people, you know, uh, even more modern to re-review a movie, and it's going to factor into the score. The Rotten Tomatoes score is 99. percent Yeah. Okay. Unbelievable. Ninety-nine percent of that's, critics say watch it. That's crazy. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. What movie today gets ninety-nine? No. Like, n- no. Just it just doesn't happen. No. Not even if PR firms are paying them off, it just can't get there. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got ninety percent audience score, and I think it's like over a hundred thousand reviews of Jeez. people, and it's still like at ninety percent. So the vast majority of people enjoy this movie. And they're telling you, go watch it. Do you agree? Really? <laughs> it's because I feel like... What in the world? No, 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 no. What? It's because I feel like most people that I would recommend this movie to, mm-hmm. like most of my friends... Are not they, gonna watch They're not gonna like it. They're not gonna yeah. like no, it. No, no, they're not gonna like it. They're gonna say it's really boring. Oh, man. It's, it's for a certain crowd at this point. I think back in the day when it came out, I think most audiences would have watched it and liked it. Um, mm-hmm. But now, it's gonna be very hard for you to get 99% of any kind of group <laughs> to say that's a banger. Let me, let me, um, 
let me say why I agree is as to I recommend anyone who's listening to us right now go out and watch this movie, even if it's not your cup of tea. Let, let me defend that, sure. okay? Um, whenever I got into um, analyzing movies in general, okay, it had to start somewhere. And it usually starts with a movie that you can look at and point to and say, look at this. Look at the way they do this. Because this is important. And this means something. And this isn't just pointing a camera and shooting what's happening. But the camera itself is involved in the storytelling process. That's why you love cinematography. Exactly. That's right. And so uh, that has to start with something. And it did for me. I wish it would have started here. But whenever, like how Javi says, whenever you see styles that directors use in certain things, you can trace it back to this movie and its implementation. The, a lot of the techniques that Citizen Kane does, they didn't do it for the very first time, but they did it well for the first time. Mm -hmm. And they did it together like that. So what I'm trying to say is that even if Citizen Kane, a black and white movie from 1941, is not really your bag and you might find it boring, it just might get you interested in cinema and in mm -hmm. film and in the filmmaking process. And I think that's worth it. We need to save that. That's like a little mini speech oh, that should be put on TV or something <laughs> or the internet. Get people involved in movies. I that, love that it. was like a Martin Luther King Jr. speech. Yeah. Don't, don't make that comparison. That was Brian a, has a dream. Edit that out. Edit this out. <laughs> Don't continue that. Oh. Do not compare me to... Yeah, we're going to leave this okay. No. Yes. Oh. From now on, you are Brian Luther King. Oh, stop it. Stop. All right, let's move on, guys. <clears throat> oh, good Lord. So a AFI has this as the number one movie of all time. Really? The, uh, AFI is the American Film Institute. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they have their own ranking number one of all time. What's number two? I did not check. Okay. <laughs> But I have a guess, because most, most of these lists are pretty similar. Mm -hmm. In the top three, usually, are Kane, Lawrence of Arabia, and The Godfather. Mm -hmm. Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, that's or, another one I'd like to see, too. Or, or, or a little bit more also. modern mm -hmm. than this, right? We're going to have to do Lawrence of Arabia. I'm not looking forward to the four-hour runtime. I have the steel it's book. four hours? Wait, is it three hours or four hours? Four, I think four hours. It's four hours uh, long. That, you, that's not a single-sitting movie. <laughs> you got to divide that up between two days. No, you can, two days. You can do it. Okay, just pee before it starts, minimize your snacks and drinking. I can do three hours in one sitting, but not four. <laughs> and just do it standing. <laughs> oh, Lord. <clears throat> Good point. Oh, my gosh. So, I would say that the general consensus here is that we see Citizen Kane as a fantastic, very well-made movie. Uh, we recommend that you watch it, but we also understand it's not everyone's cup of tea. And that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. It's okay. All walks of life, right? So, let's keep talking about it, though, guys. Next segment, best thing I've ever seen, because there's a lot of great scenes in this movie. Which one stood out to you guys? I had several here. Um, I'll just list a few of them, okay? Mm -hmm. I like the opening that shows the video reel Same. of Kane's life. Same. I thought that was really good, especially because in the beginning, you don't know that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. You're just like, why are they showing this? This is kind of strange. Yeah, and in that uh, format. Yeah, and then they show you, oh, you know, it's this, you know, 
magazine company that's you know preparing it mm-hmm. um, I like the celebration scene when their newspaper sells over 600,000 copies mm-hmm. and they've got the dancers and you yeah. know everybody's happy and, and yeah. enjoying a meal that's cool um, I like the scene where uh, he sits down with uh, Emily his first wife mm-hmm. and it, it just cuts to different moments in their life as exactly. you know the passage of time yes and, yes uh, I thought that was really cool um, I also like the scene, even though it's more, I, I like more the line than the scene, but uh, the scene where uh, Emily gets in the car or in the taxi and says, I'm going to X Street. Yes. He's like, you can come with me if you want. Mm-hmm. And just the look on, you know, Kane's face and everything and how he goes, I'll go with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. I thought that was really tense for a moment. It, you know, the, that was good. The, the payoff wasn't what you think it's going to be, but uh, right. uh, it was still good. Yep. I won't say what my favorite scene is. Yet. Okay, no, not yet. Not yet. It, it was none of those. Okay, okay, yeah. all right then. No, but those are just some some great scenes. Ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are some. Also, oh, we're not saying our, our favorite. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Not yet. What 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 were some of the ones that stood out to you, Javi? Okay, well, obviously, everything I said. <laughs> obviously, Steven said everything. <laughs> no <I'm> kidding. <laughs> the one where uh, Kane drops the snowball. Oh, at the beginning, there, there's that one, yes. and then the um, the scene where, um, with the rally, with the stage and a bunch of people. I don't know mm. if you remember that scene. Oh, and he's talking about his candidacy, y- yeah, candidacy, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I loved how that scene just looked. Yes. yes. Yeah. Supposedly it was like um, just the stage was actually like actors, and then the rest of the scene it was just a painting no way really yeah are you wow. serious so that's why i really liked how that scene looked that I, gotta go, I gotta go back and see that now yeah, yeah. wow i didn't yeah. know that that's really cool i had i had several here um i think that the opera scene is something that has it all because <laughs> it has it has some humor to it right from the uh, from that singing coach that mm-hmm. uh, that Susan has, the Italian guy. <laughs> yeah, the Italian, and then uh, it has that that cringe feeling of her performance, uh, but it also has like some tension in it from Kane's reaction mm-hmm. because he is just holding on so much to that idea of this has to be good, and I'm gonna make people think it's good mm-hmm. even though it's not. Yeah. And then he insists on clapping and giving his standing ovation when no one else is doing it. He kind of wants to control public opinion, right? Exactly. And thinks that he that he gets to. Yes. Because he runs a newspaper company, exactly. he's good at this. And- it's it's such a beautiful metaphor of basically this guy's life. Uh, another scene that I really liked is after that disaster and Kane is sent in an envelope the ripped up check that he gave to his former friend, <laughs> Jed, right? as well as the Declaration of Principles that he wrote. <laughs> Just, again, it, it's pretty clear what the, message is, what the message is and how he's abandoned all that. Yeah. Um, I like, I would say that whenever he, after Susan leaves him, he goes on a rampage in her room and breaks all that stuff. And then he finds the snow globe that we see from the very beginning of the movie. And then his walk out from that room, because that's a long take. Yeah. Hint, hint to people out there. <laughs> Another it's thing all that, one take. that they did, exactly. It's a very beautiful long take of him, and then he walks past those mirrors as well. And so uh, just 
how that whole thing is, that whole segment is filmed and done, fantastic. And then uh, at the very end, when you see all his possessions just laid down, and it almost looks like a city, like a cityscape. Yeah. Gorgeous. I love how that looks too. But we got to pick a favorite, guys. What's your favorite? For me, it's when Susan leaves him. Ooh. That, that's uh, not only my favorite scene, but that's also my point of no return. That, when that comes in, I'm in the rest of the way. Okay, um, yeah. I thought that that was really well acted by both of them. Um, and I love how it's like the, the final piece that he loses, right? Is mm-hmm. now his second wife. Not mm-hmm. his first wife, his second wife. Right. Is walking out on him. Um, when he says... It's like, I love also that he tries to, he gets like an opportunity, a one last chance to try to save this. And she turns around to listen to what he has to say. And he blows it mm-hmm. by saying, you mustn't do this to me. Mm-hmm. And that's when she realizes, wow, you're still thinking about yourself. It's all about you. It's yeah. all about you. Right. And that's when she's just like, I am walking out on you. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was great. I was like, "Go, Susan." That's a great I, I was, pick. It was a bravo moment for her. Mm, that's yeah. a fantastic pick. What about yours, oh, Javi? And just so, just so you know, the point of no return is what we use to say, like at this point of the movie, if if you're watching it and this part comes along, you have to watch it to the end. You know what I mean? Oh, There's okay. no going back. So yeah. you're you're glued to the sofa. You're watching it the rest of the way. You're locked in. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. So in case you want to throw that in too, but what's your favorite? What's your favorite scene? Okay, my favorite scene was the one in the cabin. I just loved how it looked. At the and beginning? With the parents? With the parents. Oh, okay. Interesting. And uh, it has to do with the, with the use of the, of the camera, the cinematography. Mm-hmm. Because, um, because there was something happening in the foreground. Mm-hmm. That's where Mrs. Kane was, talking with Mr. Thatcher. Mm-hmm. And then in the like mid distance or like in the middle, it was Mr. Kane doing his own thing, trying to like, you know, like convince them for the boy or for his son to stay and not leave. Right. And then in the background, we see the window cut out mm-hmm. where uh, Kane or Charles, he's just outside playing in the snow. Right. So I just loved how Orson Welles used like every single like distance. Mm-hmm. every element to like make that entire scene like purposeful yeah and, like impactful yeah so that was my favorite scene right there man that's a good pick yeah, yeah. and we're going to talk about some of the technical aspects of that too uh under cinematography later because uh what he mentioned what javi just mentioned right now is exactly what i just love about this movie mm-hmm. is techniques like that oh my god okay i'm, I'm <laughs> gonna say that um that my favorite scene is the one i described the one shortly after susan leaves and he goes on the rampage and everything that follows after that yeah like i said i i love how you just you you have to hold on to that shot there's no cuts because you you want to feel the totality of this guy's emotion which is it's a range of them because obviously he's angry about what's happening but then he's also defeated and he's accepting it as well. And he's gotten to the point of his life where that's it for him. Mm-hmm. That's true. But anyways, that um, is good. I, I'm going to say that that's my point of no return. And I mean, that's easy to say because it's like the last 15 minutes of the movie. But 
Um, I I think that's mine. Yeah. Honestly, it's I, just so good. I really like that shot with the mirrors. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, almost like a. I mean, I don't think that it really is, but you could kind of see it as his entire life. You know, because it's just Kane after Kane after Kane after Kane. Mm. He's like fading into the distance. I like and that. Yeah. It just made me think, like, wow, like his his life is over. Mm-hmm. This is where he's at right now, and everything that was might have been glorious is in the past. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I I like to see it as kind of like his life, how it's been. It's the illusion of having all these people with you, but you're truly alone. Yeah, that's better. But I'm telling you. Fantastic scenes. They they paint a picture and they tell the story. It's just it's well, it's fantastic. Well, just with the introduction, I thought it was like super good in the first couple of minutes. Is that your point of no return? Is the beginning of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the just the first couple of minutes, like it, what five minutes? It just started. I'm in the whole way. Yeah. <laughs> Two hours. Here we go. Yeah. Or just watch that scene, the beginning. Yeah. Just watch that. It's yeah, it's impressive in its own right. And always remember, this was made in 19, 1941. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you really got to hand it to them. So let's talk about that. We're moving on to behind the scenes, and here we get to talk about the technical aspects of the filmmaking process of Citizen Kane. Let's start with the director, because Orson Welles, he had to do quite a bit. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah. Technically, he directed it. He starred in it, and he wrote it. He he co-wrote was, it. He co-wrote it exactly, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of because I, I listened to an interview that Orson Welles did, and he talks about how they were able to do all these techniques that you know were seemingly impossible at the time, and the interviewer asked them, "How did you do it?" And he said, um, "Or sorry." The, the interviewer asked, what gave you the confidence to attempt all of these new things? And then he said, it's not confidence, it's ignorance. I didn't know that these things were impossible or <laughs> theoretically impossible. I like that answer. I just thought that a camera can capture what the human eye can capture or what the imagination can produce. What I can dream of, I believe that a camera can get it for me. Mm. And that's what I set out to do. So that's why a lot of these new techniques that we see, they were done because he wasn't going in under this, you know, this this set guidelines of what you what you do and what you don't and what you should under Hollywood. He went in because he wanted to do what in his mind he saw. Yeah. I was I'm not sure was this his first film? I didn't look into his Yeah. It was his first film mm-hmm. and probably his most famous. He was 25 years old Golly. whenever he made this. I'm 25. He said, <laughs> Golly, I'm leaving. <laughs> and he secured a contract with the studio that no one else had ever gotten before. And it wasn't about money. It was about authority. It was about having complete creative control over this. In fact, in that same interview, he said that uh, that contract allowed for him to not show any footage of this movie to anyone unless he said so. So normally, whenever you're making the movie, you film it back then. You would film parts of it for a day, and at the end of the day, you would show what you filmed to certain people. And some of them, obviously, is the 
the cast and crew some of them would be people that are bankrolling this film so like the banks the studio executives and people like that uh just to kind of keep them in the loop he did not do that the only people who got to saw that were him and his family wow no one saw any of this movie until it was done and ready to be shown do you think you can get away with that nowadays no (laughs) i didn't think so no way having creative control especially whenever someone else is footing the bill so to speak they're giving you money and yet you tell them you don't get to see any of this what you're paying for you're just gonna have to trust me well that's a man right there (laughs) (laughs) save that that's a t-shirt write it down yeah um that's crazy 25 he looks 40 right he looks he does, he does not look like a 25 year old in he, this movie he talks about that in the interview too how they had to kind of like tape up his face for his younger scenes using like fish scales or something like that oh my goodness uh so because even though he is 25 he doesn't look 25 not at all mm-hmm. and to do all that and for it to be your first film i don't mean that's crazy that's, isn't it that's amazing yeah i think that anybody would be extremely proud and privileged to to be able to say that mm-hmm. you know my first movie is going to be one of the greatest films of all time yeah i, I mean and i'm sure he didn't know that going no. into it no but if you could if you could select that like if that's an option if you can go back in time i think everybody picks that obviously yeah yeah but that's i think that's what's so impressive about about orson wells is that he didn't set out to make the greatest movie of all time he set out to make his movie his way. Yeah. And that's what's cool. But, you know, he couldn't do it by himself. Um, a lot of the techniques that we're talking about uh, is credited to the cinematographer or the director of photography. His name was Greg Toland. And I he, thought you were just going to leave it at his name's Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Greg? That, that, that would have been great. His name's Greg. Yeah. yeah. Just so you guys know, his yeah. name is Greg. Orson Welles said that uh he was only able to really like put to film what he saw and what he wanted thanks to this guy thanks to greg and so he he really appreciates you know everything that's or appreciated everything that uh that he did in the creation of this and and vice versa mm-hmm. greg said something similar about orson wells that thanks to orson wells being so um different and Lenny can do whatever he wanted uh, well gave him that opportunity to try out different things that he wouldn't be able to do mm-hmm. if it was another director there you mm-hmm. go yeah that's so cool creative freedom so under cinematography is where we talk about some of the techniques that uh, Javi mentioned that you mentioned as well uh, the way that certain shots are framed one of the big things that was introduced in this film is something called deep focus mm-hmm. and that is something where everything in the frame of a movie or of a shot is in focus you don't have just to focus on one thing in the foreground or vice versa there's no depth of field right well and yeah exactly um and and not so much that you know something's blurred out or whatever else but even though everything is in focus your focus is going to be on certain things and how they relate to each other not just one thing at a time so as an example is you know javi's favorite scene in the cabin because you have the the mother and the banker in the foreground and that tells you that they're the ones that are in charge and they're calling the shots and then you have the 
the the husband slash father, right? Cain, who is in the middle ground, but he's also on the opposite side of the frame. And in between them, but in the background, is Charlie Kane, which means that obviously he has no voice in this mm-hmm. or no choice either. Yeah. And yet he's the center of the discussion. You looked this up, didn't you? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way I could have grabbed that on the first viewing. <laughs> you, read, you read my review? <laughs> but that's, again, yeah, that's, that's, an that's, example, that's an example. That's an example. And once, once you know that, going in, you find more and more examples of it. Another thing that they did in, new in this one is doing uh, these low angle, like from, from a low starting point looking up. That's something new. And because of, well... For starters, they would do that a lot with Kane because he's this larger-than-life figure, right? He's mm-hmm. this authority figure coming in. And so that angle of the shot implies that without even saying anything. But not just that. By doing that, now sets had to have ceilings in them. Back then, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Because why waste money making a ceiling? Yeah. You know what I mean? You're trying to save money here. So you would just build what the camera sees. Yeah. Now you're having to look up and you need to have like an entire set completed. Yeah. Not done before they did it for this one. So there was that too. Um, wow. Yeah, no, it's, oh, and then <laughs> it, towards the beginning of the movie, there's the shot also where they talk about, oh, um, you know, Kane's ex-wife, the second one. And so the, the shot opens and you see the sign of the nightclub, right? And it's raining. And you see the camera move towards it and it goes through it and then it goes to the window of the of the rooftop and then uh you know there's a bit of a cut there but it's more like a transition with the water and then it goes through that and now we are in uh where susan alexander is sitting and so just with that you establish both the setting and the person that you're meeting for the first time because it says it on the sign and then it continues with the story yeah because it implies that you know the uh the reporter has left and it started his investigation and that's where we're at but that kind of camera movement that's that smooth it almost has like an omniscience to it the camera right Mm -hmm. is 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 going through something that a regular person wouldn't have a point of view yeah um that's new as well and that's something that you see a lot of nowadays and oh yeah when done well it's so so good david fincher does that a lot so, yeah where he has this this omniscience to the camera where it should see what normal people shouldn't basically yeah. but see that's another example there you go that's you, true you take from the best the movie is just is full of them and like I said, once you see, once you know what to look for, you see more of it. Yeah, and I think that's what's hard. Like in my case, I won't have much to say here because I was watching it for the first time and I didn't do any extra digging as far as, you know, camera techniques and that sort of thing. That's okay. Um, and it's hard to to be able to, in the moment, know what, what the camera's doing that might have significance later mm-hmm. or has significance to the story. But mm-hmm. going back, now hearing you tell me about the cabin scene, brilliant. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, just overall with the uh, if I can speak about the stylistic choices that were made mm-hmm. um, you know that I'm a big fan of noir yeah and, and black and white and everything maybe to a detriment uh. <laughs> um, I love moody lighting I love contrast that's the other thing and yeah. uh, I think that he did that really well in this movie I think to a point because he was forced to but I think that even if it were in color we'd still get a, quite a bit of that contrast oh yeah the scene where um, the uh, guy from the photo magazine sits down to you know read the book or or whatever it is that he's doing Mm -hmm. and uh you just see that light coming through from the top as everything else is dark yeah it's just so beautiful i love stuff like that i do Um, too they did it again in another scene in the movie and i was just like this is this is my kind of thing yeah the use of of lights and shadow is something that you see in a lot of noir films after this one and it's for those exact same reasons you have characters that are standing in light compared to others that are in the darkness and it kind of indicates what their motivations are what they're feeling sometimes it would indicate the contrast and the conflict within kane himself who starts out as this idealistic young man who wants to right the wrongs of the world Mm -hmm. and yet becomes a wrong himself Mm -hmm. later. And so you you have that duality between him too. Yeah. It's, it's okay. I'm not going to see, see what I mean about gushing. I'm not going to gush. No, 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 no. But, but you're right. Get the paper towels. (laughs) And and, uh, what you said there about the um, motivations of characters Mm. and how, you know, the lighting can kind of uh, tell you something about that. When they finish watching the reel at the beginning of the movie, did you notice that most of the characters mm-hmm. are in the dark? Mm-hmm. Kind of letting you know that you know they're trying to milk this probably for money, exactly. and, and you know, and exactly. the guy just died, and yeah. yet they're just thinking like, how can we how can make we sell papers, right? This, yeah, you know? exactly. And they're all like in the dark, and they're smoking their cigars and mm-hmm. everything. It's it's very nefarious. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Unlike us, who are in broad daylight smoking our cigars, see. That's the right way to do it. <laughs> we don't do that, guys. I promise. <laughs> I have so never so touched a cigarette. I stopped. <laughs> yeah, we don't smoke anymore. Uh, script, script, screenplay. This thing was written by uh, Herman Mankiewicz. Mank. And Orson Welles co-wrote it as well. Because a lot of the original script, I think, was changed. Um, but I think that's what, what we can talk about here is mainly... The fact that, yes, it is a very interesting story about this one man's life, but it is a type of social commentary. Orson Welles said that it was a commentary on the lifestyle of acquisition, trying to just get all the material things in the world, and where does that really leave you mm. in the end? With nothing. And and that was um, basically the, the, the point that he was trying to get across. But... He had to do it in a way with, you know, an interesting story about an interesting and complex character. Yeah. I think that same idea, that same theme has been repeated in several movies afterwards. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as well or maybe some even better. It just kind of. But yeah, it's a it's a popular theme for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that was those three main aspects of the process of. There's even more we can talk about, but obviously for time, we're not going to. Uh, The other things that we have that we usually talk about, like the score, if there's any special effects or the wardrobe, I mean, uh, the movie's well made, you know, and and we don't really have to get into like the into all the the details of every single aspect of it. But um, I would say that what really carried the movie are the things that we talked about already. Mm hmm. 
But anyways, um, yeah, in case you didn't know what to look for when watching this movie, well, now you do. Go back and watch it. Look for it. Look for those examples, man. You're going to like it. I promise. I still have probably like 24 hours left to watch this movie. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you rented it? Maybe. Yeah, I rented yeah. it. Yeah. Did you buy it? No, Brian rented it. Yeah, oh, okay. I rented it. And I might buy it, actually, after seeing it. Yeah. Uh, it, it might be worth keeping. Just don't tell Iris. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on, guys, to winners and losers. Who is your pick for the best performance of this movie? Oh, man, um, we skipped a few things here, didn't we? I'm almost positive. Yeah, I skipped it on purpose. Okay. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Let's move on to winners and losers, guys. Okay. Now, who is your pick for best performance of the movie? And I do think that the answer is obvious. Yep. Right? There's only one answer. It is. Obviously. It is the cockatoo that shrieks at you uh, before the end scene. That caught me so <laughs> off guard. I literally <laughs> shook when that happened. I said, what was that? I still don't don't understand was that really necessary orson he, he did orson did it on purpose he said to to shock the audience yeah. awake in almost case, in case they were falling asleep yeah. you you jolt them awake and hold their attention for the final moments of the movie mm. and that's why it deserves the best performance award you're kidding <laughs> i'm leaving again <laughs> okay no serious in all seriousness um orson wells it's orson wells yeah yeah i'm obviously pretty, i'm pretty sure my second uh pick though was signor matista which is the the italian yeah he's really coach. good yeah it was just so yeah. funny he was <laughs> so frustrated i, I felt for him, man. <laughs> what about the worst performance though that cockatoo <laughs> no Com- really comes, comes in for one line <laughs> It's it's an awful line. He botches it's really it. loud. He botches it. Just over delivers. Yeah, he's he's overacting is what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too much. What's your worst performance of the movie? You, even if you say they're all good, just who was the least good? The least good? Golly. <laughs> yeah, I know it's tough. I'll say mine. It may be a hot take, honestly, okay. but uh, it's going to be. Thatcher, um, young Thatcher, whenever he's at the cabin and they're telling Charlie that he's going to go away with him and he's like, you know, he's like, Charlie, these these sleds are for slaying, not for hitting. Yeah. You, you almost hurt me, Charlie. Like, it's it's <laughs> not not good delivery, I would yeah, say. That's true. That's the, that's the way the man talks. <laughs> it was, uh, was it the same actor who played older Thatcher? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think they reused everybody. And they right? age them up. And they age them up, yeah. Yeah, so older Thatcher did great. Wait, yeah. no, no. Thatcher was already dead. There was no older Thatcher. He was reading from the book, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm th- yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of... Uh, Jed. No, no. no Mr. Uh, Bernstein. Mr. Bernstein. Yeah, 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 yeah the manager. Anyways, uh, that was probably my, my worst performance. I'm gonna have to rewatch it to answer this question. <laughs> to pick one. Oh yeah. What about uh, what about best line of the movie? There's Ooh. lots of good lines. Oh yeah. I had a lot of these written down. <laughs> All right, let's hear them. Okay, like um, Kane says, I always gagged on that silver spoon. Oh my! Gl- look, look, look what I have. Yeah. Look what I have on my first. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah. I'm Are gonna say kidding? mine before y'all beat mine. That's yeah. a that's a hobby slap right there. <laughs> oh. 
Wait, is that a compliment? Well, it, normally it's an Andy slap. Yeah, uh, but since he's not since here, since he's we're not here, you. we have to slap you. Yeah, take it as a compliment. That's good. You want to slap me? <laughs> the high five is a slap. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Okay, it's weird. Wait, I, I'll it's say mine. Thing. I'll say mine. Okay, say. Okay, the, the that line. wasn't my best line. No, necessarily. That was just uh, one just of one. them. Just I know. One. We'll come back. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. The one that um, I forgot the name of the guy, but it was one of the guys that uh, the reporter was. Uh, Interviewing, yeah, interviewing, and he said, "I can remember everything. That's my curse, young man. It's the greatest curse that's ever been inflicted on the human race. Memory." Ooh, good picks, yeah, deep man. That's very good. I was gonna write that one down, but then I was just like, I already have too many, and it's <laughs> best line. What's the other ones that you have? I had also uh, by Kane. If I hadn't been really rich, I might have been a really great man. Ooh, that was so good. Mm, yeah. That's a great one. Um, some of these are jokey. <laughs> when Bernstein says, "A fellow will remember a lot of things you wouldn't think he'd remember," <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was funny. <laughs> uh, Bernstein also has a good line. He's like, "It's no trick to make a lot of money if all you want is to make a lot of money." Mm-hmm. I think that I think that might be my favorite. Um, old age. It's the only disease that you don't look forward to being cured of. That, okay. Also by look, Bernstein. You see what I... You, what's the next one I have there after you go. the spoon? There you go. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's, That's good. Right. Can I share that file with me? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got uh, just a few more here. Um, this one was really powerful by Susan. Uh, she goes, you don't love me. You want me to love That's you. That's good. Yep. I remember that one. That's right. Really I was good. in the tent. That was a tense scene. Tense. Yeah. It was tense intense. Ooh. So you said tent. It was intense and tense in tents. And uh, last oh. one here. <laughs> that was good. Last one here. I got. Uh... I'm gushing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Should I get more t- paper towels? Jeez. Last one. Last, last one. Um, and I think this, this speaks a lot to the movie. Uh, I don't think any word can explain a man's life. Did you have that also? I did. Oh my gosh. But but I continued it. And that's my favorite line. Yeah. I don't think any word can explain a man's life. I guess Rosebud is just a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. A missing piece. Yeah. Really good. Fantastic. What about worst line though? Uh, I. <laughs> it's not really a bad line. It's just a bad... Delivery? <laughs> no, no. It's not even a bad delivery. I just had to pick something. And uh, I'm going to go with the uh, insult that Leland had for the nurses is <laughs> when he says that, you know, you're always brought up to think the nurses are going to be good looking. Oh, he's like, yes. And he looked at the nurse and said, this is proof that it's never been true. <laughs> <laughs> and the nurses just take it. Yeah, they don't you know? say anything. They don't say anything. That's super messed up. But yeah. yes, that's a good one. My worst line is, I mean... It's, it's probably just because of the delivery of it. And that's whenever Susan, already in the mansion, she's like, Charlie, I want to go to New York. That <laughs> just sounds so annoying. So annoying. Oh, you man. Know. I don't even know how Kane kept his composure to that. I would have left the room. You know, the, <sighs> can we just talk about something for a second? What? Isn't somebody's voice a deal breaker when it comes to romantic interest? <laughs> it can I'm, be. I'm it can dead be. serious. Yeah. It is. It was... And would always be a deal breaker for me. Like, I cannot deal yeah. with an annoying voice. Well, and that's the I thing. Don't know, I don't that's know what, how that's he married single. Susan. 
Susan, like you know, God bless her. She's so sweet and, and innocent and a good person and everything. And good for her. I love the way her character arc ended. Yeah. Her voice, dude. Dude. Oh, my gosh. I think that's on purpose, though. Because How long was he with her? Like 20 years? Because she's a bad singer. Yeah. So it kind of stands to reason that she doesn't have the best voice. Yeah, you it know? makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, oh my god. Yeah. That. Whenever she's talking in the mansion and she's kind of like shouting and stuff, that's... <clears throat> but anyways, that's fine. It's okay. Yeah. That's... Uh, anyways, out of all the people involved in we this... We love you, Susan. <laughs> out of all the people involved in this movie, cast and crew, who deserves to be remembered most? And I again, I do think it's obvious. One answer. It's obvious. It's, it's the cockatoo. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm glad we're I on really the same page. <laughs> you just answered my, the next question. It's a- <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Oh, we no. skipped. It is that. That is my answer for who should be forgotten, and it's the cockatoo. The cockatoo, it absolutely. Just, it is such a annoying screech. So jarring. It's so jarring. But uh, who's gonna be remembered? Orson Welles. He needs to be. I mean, the guy directed it, he co-wrote it, and he starred in it. That's and did an amazing job. Yeah, so. I mean, it's hard to argue with yeah. that. Do you, is that your answer? No, yeah, I, Orson Welles. It's Orson Welles. Yeah. I mean, at this point, Citizen Kane is synonymous to Orson Welles, and it's also synonymous to greatness. People hold Citizen Kane as like the bar of something that's great, like a masterpiece, basically. So, yeah, I, I agree. Orson Welles is, is the guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, obviously, Greg contributed a bunch yeah, totally. for that movie. Like, yeah. if it wasn't for him, it probably wouldn't have been. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Mm-mm. What's Greg's last name, JJ? Toland. <laughs> <laughs> Way to remember it, bro. I, I, don't, I don't even remember it, so, yeah, you get a pass. <laughs> I remember... I did. I even said it. Did I not yeah, say it? Sure. I said yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Guys, let's move on to the egg drops, okay? Wait, who should be forgotten? Oh, did we not say that it was the cockatoo? Well, I had another answer here. What's your other? The cockatoo's probably right, but uh, I put down the butler at the end. Hmm. Did they go to interview? He's like the last interview. He wants $1,000. A thousand bucks? Are you crazy, dude? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> and then he gives like no good information. That was the worst waste of time for that guy. No wonder. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, the cockatoo. Yeah, we'll okay. Cockatoo. All right, then. No, that's pretty good. I like that. The butler guy. Or the head waiter, I think, is his name. Right? Is it? No. No, no, it's not. That's someone else. Well, forget it. Let's he, for- he was a butler. Let's forget him. I think they call him a butler. Because he, he was the one in charge of, like, the service staff. Mm. At, head butler, uh, maybe. At Xanadu, yeah. Exactly. He's like the Alfred. He's like the Alfred. Yeah. Except a worse version of him. Oh, by far. <laughs> Probably useless. Probably useless did. Alfred. <laughs> Probably didn't help anybody grow up to become a Batman. You know? Yeah, exactly. A crime-fighting vigilante. Javi, did you have another answer besides the butler or the cockatoo? No, I, d- I don't. Okay. So you're in agreement then that this, it's okay to forget these guys? All of them. <laughs> except Orson Welles. <laughs> oh my god. And your best friend, Greg. <laughs> sure. Okay. Let's move on to the egg drops. Okay. And uh, for, do, you, do you have a lot of these? Just to, just to remind our listeners out there, you know, by egg drops, we're not dropping literal eggs, all as fun as that would be. But oh. these are Easter eggs. They're little known facts about the movie or any foreshadowing or symbolism that we found 
uh, while watching the movie, which I found one that I'm actually quite proud of, but maybe someone else has already said it and I'll get no credit for it. So that's fine. Um, who would like to start? Who's got something? Um, I don't have much except for I want to talk about Rosebud here. Okay, let's do it. If that's okay. Do it. So, uh, do you want me to go first, or you guys want to go? No, you go ahead. Okay. So, um, this is oh, at the end of it. I was just like, okay, um, Rosebud. What was the real significance of that? Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly it was his sled, right? Is what the sled? They say. Yeah, it was the sled that he had in the beginning when he was young. Mm-hmm. Um, that had Rosebud written on it, along with the illustration of it too. Uh, so I looked this up, and this is either the interpretation that. Uh, we need to understand, uh, or it's just one of many. Mm-hmm. It says here, Rosebud is the trade name of a cheap little sled on which Kane was playing on the day he was taken away from his home and his mother. In his subconscious, it represented the simplicity, the comfort, above all, the lack of responsibility in his home. And also it stood for his mother's love, mm-hmm. which is the only thing Kane never lost. Exactly. That's right. Even though his mother gave him up, but she did it out of love. At least that's what I understood from it. Because they did get paid by the bank. But she wanted her boy to receive an education, which he wasn't going to get there. Uh, the dad seemed a little abusive when he talked about, you know, he needs a good thrashing. And she's yeah. like, oh, is that what you think? That's yeah. why That's why he's not he, staying here. Exactly. So you can't get at him. Yeah. You know? no, 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 you could tell the mom wanted like the best... For, for Charles, but the dad, he just cared about the money. Uh, yeah. Once, Pretty much. Once they said the 50000 he's like, well, I guess it's all for the best. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, that is that is the, uh, the I would say, the, the general consensus on the meaning of Rosebud is that, and it, it goes along with what's in the snow globe, which looks like his cabin, the, mm. uh, the boarding home, right, uh, from the beginning of the movie. So obviously he's looking at that, he remembers his sled, and he remembers a time... A much simpler time a simpler time look at him he has everything and he's super busy and he's got this and that and yet it's not as fulfilling as that simpler time exactly and that's and that's to be loved that's really what he wanted it's what everybody needs exactly end of the day that's what we all need but he was too focused on on the material stuff isn't there a song that says all we need is love or all i need is love all we need is love yeah and that was by the beatles there you go but they might have been high when they wrote that so we can't really take it too. <laughs> you could have left that part out, man. It would have been really sweet. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. I'm we're, so sorry. We're not going to have anything for Castaway, right? Wait, or wait, not, wait, not, wait. Not, not the wait, who wait, almost wait. got cast. We still have wait, egg wait. drops. Don't move uh, on just yet. Uh, are there it's other been, egg drops? Been, There's egg drops. Hold oh, on okay. a second. Well, All right. Let's, well, let's get them dropped. I have, I have at least three. I'll drop it hard. <laughs> That's a t-shirt too, right down. Jesus. Go ahead, Javi. What do you got? Okay, so something that I found interesting was that supposedly Citizen Kane has as many, if not more, special effect shots than Star Wars. What? Yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. Really? Special effects? Well, it's special Special effects effects like, because it includes practical effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing there, there was a bunch of paintings, a bunch. Yeah, and exactly. the oh, scenes, okay. a bunch. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's that's fine. Yeah, maybe because paintings. because okay. they have to blend it in as if it's not a painting. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I bet one of them was how did they get that globe to explode? 
right? When he dropped it. It's a little confusing too at certain times. There was one part where the, uh, I don't remember his name, but the, the investigator, the guy from the magazine company, mm -hmm. Thompson. what's his name? Thompson, Thompson right? Mm -hmm. Thompson is uh, speaking to the lady at reception at the library. Mm -hmm. I thought that the background there was a, a matte painting or something. And really? then she started walking into it. I was like, oh, that's real. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really confusing for me at certain points. I'm like, okay, well, maybe it, maybe it's just the way it filmed. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it, it looks like it might be a painting. And you didn't and you didn't know that the stage where he was announcing his candidacy was a painting either, I did, did not you? know that. That's so cool. That's insane. What else you got? And then the other one, it, it, it's something random, but it's about the sled. Mm-hmm. That uh, director, Steven Spielberg. I had that bought one. that sled. Yes. He did. Huh? Yeah, but but keep going. Well, because uh, there was three of them, right? They used two for the movie, which they burnt. Mm -hmm. And then the one that was left, the third one, Steven Spielberg bought, and that's... I mean, yeah, that's... He bought it for for over $60,000. That's a great okay, piece of memorabilia, that. man. He bought one it. of the greatest movies, you know. I, I could see Spielberg doing that. He bought it for over sixty grand, and when Orson Welles found out about, about it, that he had bought it, his reaction was, I thought we burned that. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's funny. Anyways, okay, no, that that is... I, I had that one. Uh, the other ones that I had was that... Um, you know, this movie made no money at the box office. It was actually a bomb. Mm. It, it bombed hard. Ooh, that's so, a shame. But, um, you know, part of that might be the reaction of William Randolph Hearst, who was back then a pretty serious... Uh, was he in, in news... He was a newspaper tycoon also, was he not? Or was he a banking executive? Anyways... The implication was he that was the, like the Roger Ebert of the time. <laughs> well, no, no, no. This guy apparently thought that this movie was based on him. Oh, okay. And so he did everything he could to try to get this not shown in theaters. He even accused Orson Welles of being a communist and tried to get him in legal trouble. Oh, he's so, one of those. It's a big thing in 1941. Exactly. <laughs> and then one bit of foreshadowing that I saw was whenever, um, sit, uh, whenever Charles Kane is trying to. Or, or he recently took over the Inquirer, you know, and it's that same scene when he wrote down the the uh, Declaration of Principles. Uh, he actually goes to a little light on the wall that has like a burning flame. As he turns it down, he says, I want to make the Inquirer as important to New York as the gas in this light. Which is interesting because if you've heard the term gaslighting, it comes from a play where those types of lights are used. And obviously it means that you lie enough to a person that you get them to believe what you want them to believe. Mm. And that's something that he tries to do with his own paper, is that he tries to gaslight the public. Mm. Yeah, that's I didn't deep. get that. Is that cool? That's, that's cool. Deep. And I did not, I did not look that one up, by the way. Okay? You did, you did it? I caught that first viewing. Really? Yes. And if I'm wrong, don't tell me. Don't call me out on it. <laughs> Let me have this. I am thoroughly impressed. <laughs> Oh man, that's so cool. Anyways, that's it for the eggs. Does anyone have any eggs left, or are we all eggless? I'm eggless. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I guess uh, just one left uh, about the actor, the scene where he's drunk. Um, what they did was that uh, he didn't sleep for 24 hours, oh. so it could be all like you know yeah. groggy and all out acting of, yeah. all out of it. Yeah. So that's what they did for that scene. 
Method acting. That's cool. I had no idea that that was even a thing. Yeah. I kind of want to try it. Yeah. Um, I I remember, I I might edit this out, but I remember a case of um, somebody asking a a very famous actor, how do you get into, you know, such rage Mm. uh, in, in the scenes that you have to be angry and everything? And he said, lack of sleep. He says, lack of sleep will piss you off to no end. <laughs> He's like, and then, it, and then it makes you, in the scene, because they would film this uh, particular thing early in the morning, and if you hadn't slept, maybe in, on purpose, that would, that would bring everything he needed to the mm, part. Yeah, so. that's so cool. That's so interesting, yeah. but also kind of dangerous. You need yes. to sleep, people. Yeah. Yeah, you got to sleep. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> okay. All Thank you guys for the eggs. We really, really like them. We're moving on now to Castaway. Now, um, I don't have anything for who almost got casted. I don't even think that really applies because Orson Welles actually used a cast of uh, theater actors. And theater actors tend to travel and uh, perform together for extended periods of time. And he wanted that chemistry between them. So he went out and he got i think only like maybe three actors of the movie are not part of that troupe Mm. and so the rest of them are those actors cool but if we had to recast this movie in a modern day remake this is a little tough for me because i'm thinking i'm thinking the movie as it is with modern actors in it yeah not not a modern day citizen kane who has like a social media empire and stuff you know i I only uh recasted kane who you got what do you got as I was watching the movie, I saw Matt Damon. Okay. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I felt I like he him. could do it. I thought of him. He's you got, know, he's got the range. He's got the uh, the the chops for this. Mm-hmm. You know, he can play subdued, and he can lose it when he needs to lose it. Mm-hmm. I thought of Matt Damon. The only thing that kept me from writing his name down was that Orson Welles had to play himself both young and old mm. and matt damon can be aged up yeah but i don't they're gonna have to use some de-aging technology to make him young again <laughs> because he young. can't yeah, yeah. He, you can't do it practically at that point yeah <clears throat> not, like not with makeup and that type of effect you know yeah they'll use the technology they used on the irishman where they can yeah make exactly people younger make them yeah. make them look younger with with cgi but no that's a good pick matt damon does have that he does have that kind of range um, which is funny that I say that because I wrote down for Kane, Leo DiCaprio. Mm. <laughs> I bet you he'd take yeah. it too if they were doing a remake. I he, bet you he'd do it. He could. I feel like he can still play a younger self, a younger version of himself, and then he can also play the jaded old man pretty well. I just feel like not not to hate on what you just said. Um, Leo has played so many roles already, where he's like the, the guy at the top of the mountain. Uh-huh. You know, Great Gatsby, uh, oh, Wolf yeah. of Wall Street, mm-hmm. the, the Aviator. I just feel like it'd be another. It'd be like, oh, he's doing this again. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. he's playing this guy who's got everything. That's a good know? point. But um, as far as the being able to play it, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Javi? I'm just gonna say a random one. <laughs> he didn't prep for this. Yes. He had nothing. He had nothing. Don't you dare say Great. somebody like Marlon Wayans. <laughs> I will kick you off and you will never come back. Never mind. I won't say anything then. Yeah. You weren't going to say Were you going to pick somebody that bad? Marlon Wayans. Were he you going to pick somebody that bad? He was not going to say that. 
I bet he was gonna say like Christian Bale. No. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Which, by the way, is a good pick. Uh, no. Oh, he's saying no. The guy played Dick Cheney. He can do this. I yeah. know he's a great actor, but uh, he transforms himself physically. Who did you have for real? Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, that's not bad. That's not a bad. Pick. That's not bad. I'm okay with that. Phoenix does great. He's a great actor. I can. I. I like that pick actually. Man, good job, JJ. That's pretty good. Okay, you redeemed yourself. Okay. That's fine. I'm proud of you, man. Thank good you. job, Javi. Do you have any other modern day remake recasts? Or like for the other like actors? For, for other act or for other characters? Yeah. Because I have some. Uh, for Mr. Bernstein, I wrote down Gary Oldman. Mm. But that's because yeah. I like Gary Oldman and everything. Yeah. So that's not even that surprising. For Senor Matiste, I put Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. I mean, he almost looks like Borat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I remember. So, because of the looks. Yeah. So sure. he, I'm pretty sure he could do it. <laughs> sure. Um, let me see here. For Leland, I not too happy with my pick, but I guess old man Leland could be Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, okay. It's just that he wouldn't be able to play his younger self. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's, he's also already kind of old. Yeah. Uh, for Susan Alexander Kane, the second wife, I put Maya Hawk, who you may remember from Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. I think that she has the uh, that innocent type look to her, but she can, you know, turn it on, like, the um, turn the tables on Kane. She's Ethan Hawke's daughter, right? Is she? I think so. I know she's Uma Thurman's daughter. Are uh, they? Is, is she? Maybe. Is she with Ethan Hawke? Yeah, yeah, Ethan Hawke. Oh, okay. I don't know why I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and for Emily Norton, um, Kane, the, the first wife, I wrote down Anne Hathaway. But not as, well, no, yeah, Anne Hathaway. That's my cool. pick. Cool. I have no justification for it. Go ahead, Steven. <laughs> no, I have, I have nobody. Oh, that, that was, that was the, the only one? Yeah, the pick. only one I casted was Kane. Okay, all right then. No, that's fine. That's all right. Um, there was i was thinking and you can edit this out if you want but i was thinking for saying a line as someone else because you know how uh mr thompson the reporter is like his face is never shown how he's always like in the dark yeah you know and i think it's so that you kind of put yourself in in his place he's not a character as much as he's the medium that's driving the story yeah so it's almost like you're mr thompson yeah and you're asking the questions and finding all this right. out. Right. Because so, we want to know as an audience. Right. This episode of Group Film is brought to you by Rosebud Sleds. Whether you need to slay around in the snow or if you need to hit a creepy old man trying to adopt you, try Rosebud Sleds today. Let's listen from some satisfied customers. I've had my sled for five years. I use it to go to school, to grocery stores, and to the pharmacist. The ride is so smooth. Ah. My sled has a picture of Aunt Jemima on it. I take it everywhere I go, even to the doctor's office. And they always look at me funny because it's got Aunt Jemima on it. So what more do you need, listener? Try one of our famous Rosebud sleds today. Uh, could you, as Samuel Jackson, ask a question? To, or, or can you say, like, the last line of the movie? Sure. About the... 
Give me the line. What's the? It's. I have it. I have it. It is. I don't think any word can explain a man's life. I guess Rosebud is just a piece of a jigsaw puzzle, a missing piece. I don't think that I can do that in my typical Sam Jackson. Try it. You want me to try it? Even if you have to change the line a little bit. Okay. Like imagine Let's it's see. the end of the movie and they're like, man, if only we knew what Rosebud meant, what would Sam Jackson say? Listen here, mo- <laughs> Ezekiel. <laughs> Hell if I know. <laughs> I don't think any word can explain a man's life. Rosebud's just another dang piece of this stupid puzzle that we're doing. I'm tired. I'm going home. You read the Bible, please? <laughs> No, you, this passage you, I can't go, you can't go you can't go into another monologue that was amazing that was not amazing oh, that was so good and we can't use it <laughs> you can use it no. I'm pretty sure you can oh my god I so badly want you to keep that oh in that god. was so good oh that was my horrible. god I can't do Sam Jackson <laughs> that was really good oh man I'm so glad I brought that up that was oh fantastic, gosh, dude. Golly. I like okay. it as much as Vin, the Vin Diesel ones. <laughs> Just On a hot mic, you bring that up, dude? He's gonna murder you in his own house. No, look at him. He's he's getting a heart palpitation. No, it's a joke. It's, it's, I'm just kidding. Cannot believe just kidding. that just happened. Just kidding. Are you okay? I'm okay. All right, I'm okay. gonna survive. Let's move on, guys. Yeah. That's so funny. Though. Okay, we're resetting. Here we go. <clears throat> Hit it, takes. It's time for Hit It Takes. Yes. This is, I would say, everyone's second favorite segment. I'm kidding. I don't even know yeah. who likes these. Yeah, yeah. We uh, like them. Yeah, like, yeah, I really enjoy them. That's why we do them. So, we can run through it, though, pretty much. I think it'll be quick. Yeah. It won't be difficult. There's some of these that I don't even really have anything. Yeah, exactly. And it's tough with a movie from 1941. So you'll see. Don't worry, Javi, if you don't have anything uh, for some of these because we understand it's, it's a little tough. But for Hit It Takes, let's go ahead and start with everyone's favorite, and that's Ease Patience. What's the item of the movie that was too expensive to buy at retail? Uh, all the statues at the end. Yeah. <laughs> when they said they're worth millions, I'm yeah. like, there's no way he's paying millions for I all put, that stuff. I wrote he's, down, yeah. He's, he's, he's finding some like third-party company in China on Amazon that's going to ship them for like maybe a thousand total it's like, it and he'll looks, be like it's good enough it looks just as good yeah no one's getting close yeah i'm not just, letting just kids don't climb on it, it. just yeah. don't touch it it's styrofoam <laughs> i wrote down literally everything at xanadu <laughs> technically xanadu itself xanadu itself right? yeah exactly it's just yeah. way too expensive do you think of anything else that's like too expensive the in butler's the information like, <laughs> he's not paying a thousand bucks for that yeah but he's like even. why don't he's like why don't you tell me yeah. what you know and i'll let you know if it's worth a thousand bucks that <laughs> is good. i'll pay you and if it's not see ya yeah see you later that's really good yeah. i like that but to be fair thompson didn't pay the thousand either yeah yeah he pretty much did what he did, exactly would do yeah. yeah exactly what about Sally's called it moment I didn't have one for this uh, because there's no way she's guessing what rosebud means. Yeah, as, that's what I thought. I, I don't think anybody is exactly. I don't think it, so. 
because I wanted to actually go back and look at the scene and see do we get a close-up of this lead at any point to where we could see that it says Rosebud? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I think that maybe, maybe she gets it whenever he finds the snow globe and says Rosebud at that moment after mm -hmm. Susan leaves. Right? It, but she would guess that it's the sled? No. No one, no one would guess it's the sled, yeah. but she would think that it goes back to his time as a child. Okay. At least that. that. Yeah, that I can see. And, and that is the overall meaning of it. Well, well I think um, I read somewhere that the score, that the music that they used kind of gave hints. Really? That it was a sled, but I, I'm not sure about that. I gotta rewatch it and pay attention. Dang it, now mm. I regret not talking more about the score. I, I had a comment on the score, but it wasn't a positive one, so I'm glad we skipped it. <laughs> All right, B's vexing issues. What do you got? What what vexed me about this movie? Uh, I got a couple here. Um, there were some hiccups with the editing. I don't know if you noticed it. Hmm. And I think m maybe it was uh, the fact that this movie's been restored. I'm sure the resolution was complete dog crap when it first came out, and so that's why you wouldn't catch something like this. But there's a part towards the end when there's no audio playing, but you can see Kane's lips moving. He's talking, mm. and yet there's no audio. And then he stops talking, and then the audio starts playing as if he were talking, but he's no longer moving his mouth. You sure this wasn't a streaming issue? <laughs> it's probably a streaming like, issue. Like, no. your, your stream I, interrupted. I will pull it up, man. It's, <laughs> it's there. It's messed up. Uh, and just little things here and there that I would probably, if I was editing the movie, I would fix it. So but they, the they did the best that they could. Uh, uh, so that was one of the, my vexing things. Um, Leland slept through all that chatting right next to him. Yeah. When he must have been super drunk like, or super Dude, how sleep out of it are you that you don't hear this conversation? <laughs> well, he didn't sleep for 24 hours. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Um, another vexing issue. Those guys, the bartender and whoever was working there where Susan is at the club, they need to get fired because this lady is hammered, literally. And then you're talking about giving her a double? Are you serious? You're a horrible person. What? You're gonna you're gonna kill her. Well, at least they didn't give her a triple. That's true. Dude. At least. I, I didn't know what a highball was. But yeah, then I looked it up. The... It's pretty interesting. It's uh, a highball, according to what I looked up, is a mixed alcoholic drink composed of an alcoholic base spirit mm -hmm. and a larger proportion of a non-alcoholic mixer like uh, often a car uh, carbonated beverage mm -hmm. so examples of highballs are seven and seven scotch and soda gin and tonic screwdriver screwdriver is one of uh, tom collins rum and coke those yep. are all highballs yep exactly so see they're not giving her the hard stuff it's got a mixer in it still man how many highballs has she had <laughs> literally she can barely like look at somebody straight keep her head up oh that's, that's so like, funny she's had like nine highballs minimum <laughs> he's like i think we should get her a double my it's like no you should get her home is what <laughs> you should do. isn't she the owner of the club though i don't know so they gotta do what she says is she the owner i think i isn't isn't that what it said she took the money because i think she said that i think it said that she runs a nightclub is what the term was she runs a nightclub oh okay maybe she manages it maybe she owns it well regardless are, are about like the beginning of the movie or yeah like in, in modern in present day not yeah i think i think she was the owner yeah. she was yeah, the owner. I, I think so okay yeah i wouldn't do it 
I, 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 executive decision right there. I don't care if you own the place. You're not drinking anymore. Right. Exactly. You're yeah. done. I'm saving your life. You're done. <laughs> my yeah. my vexing issue was like all of Xanadu, logistically speaking. I don't even understand how someone, even if you own the most successful newspaper media empire, like how how are you? How, what didn't they say it was like hundreds of thousands of acres? That property? How's that even possible in that time? And then they had like a fully functioning circus in there with all the animals brought. It was like a zoo slash safari. Uh, and then like literally all that crap and all those statues and everything else. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. They said it's worth millions, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it's in the billions at that point. And in 1941, no one's making that kind of money. This dude had to work through the depression and he had to sell off a lot of his stuff. Are you kidding me? There's no way. What year does this movie take place? Uh, well, Kane was born in like the late 1800s. Okay. And then I think by the time he dies, he's like 70. So I think it's taking place in present time, quote unquote. So probably 19, 1940s. Okay. Alrighty. Um, the Depression was in the 20s. And even in the movie, it shows how he had to like shut down you know, certain outlets of the paper uh, to be able to make it through the Depression. Did, did they mention about the war or no? No. no? Okay. I, I have something, but we'll wait till we get there. Okay. Okay. Are we ready to get there already? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get there. I mean, I guess so. Okay, might this, as well. This initially was a vexing issue for me, uh-huh. um, but now I, I understand it because of the, you know, family implications. Um, Mrs. Kane and her husband were going to be paid $50,000 a year yes. indefinitely. Yeah, till the you, end of their lives. Do you, do you know how much, let's say this that happened in around 1910. Do you know uh-huh. how much money that is a year in today's dollars? That's $1.6 million a year. Oh, wow. A year. Holy moly. They were going to be super rich. Dang. Okay, back then. No wonder that dad sold his kid. And yeah. yet. <laughs> I was going to say, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> And then you look at the face of Mrs. Kane, and she doesn't seem at all excited. Because she doesn't care about that. Exactly. That's that's what wasn't hitting me in the moment, because I I wasn't fully understanding what was going on at the time. Uh, But I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) $50,000! Like, you know, that was a lot. That's crazy. I'm glad you brought that up. And yet... That's interesting. But then you see, oh, well, I have to give up my son to get this. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. That, Yeah. Well, makes and, sense now. And even then, it, that that was the deal she made for the benefit of her son, anyway. So yeah. she probably didn't even care about. The, only the dad cared about the money. Yeah, he was the one that was like, "Oh, what, wasn't he like not eligible or something?" Or or it was like only in her name, and yeah. he was all like, "I better be in my name too, if this or that." Exactly, it was only yeah. in her name. Yeah. That's why she did that. Okay, let's move on. What about Miji's style trial? Who's the best dressed? Emily. And, Emily, the first wife. Oh, in my opinion. Okay, just my opinion. I would have said I would have said Kane's style is pretty good. His suit was super nice. Yeah, I mean all his suits because he wears a tuxedo more than once. Too boxy. Too boxy. He's too big. But if, if if they had been tailored suits, I would have liked them more. This was these look like they were off the rack at Dillard's. <laughs> That's how I wear my suits, Stephen. Huh? That's how I wear my suits. You look better than Kane. Bro. <laughs> Kane, Kane just looks big in his suits. I don't you think know what I mean? In his later years, he didn't have, I don't think, the body. He looks for like a, a mob boss. 
tailored. Uh, I see that. I can see that. That's a good look, yeah. though. I like it. But, eh. All right, whatever. Move, <laughs> moving on. He does, works in newspapers. Does K, does K have a laugh out loud moment? Yes. Uh, I've got one here. I had... Um, well, I wrote down, Caden's asleep 15 minutes into this movie. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'd say that if he's going to have a laugh out loud moment or a moment where he goes, whoa, uh-huh. it'd be when uh, Susan has the toothache and then Kane says, well, we got to take your mind off of it and shuts yes, the door. Yes, that's he, right. He'd probably say something inappropriate. Even though <laughs> even though that was not what happened. Right. Right. That's what's funny. But it's, but it's like a misdirect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, whoa. Yeah. That's pretty good. I I figured he would have been laughing at the opera scene, the the cringe of the singing, oh, yeah. the reactions of the music coach, the singing coach. She's terrible. That's pretty, that <laughs> that was pretty cringe. <laughs> um, does Iris have an "I hate kids" moment? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> what is it? With the sled. <laughs> Whenever the the kid hit Thatcher with the sled. What a bad kid. Yeah, yeah that was my pick. Too. It, is, it is one of grab that sled and broken it in half <laughs> and starts like spanking that kid with the sled. <laughs> That's Edie's. That that's it. That's the one I had. You paint a colorful picture, dude. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I guess for listeners out there, um, Javi is related to to, they don't to need Iris. To, they don't need to know. That, okay. Bro. All right. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. And I thought they you. wanted to know. But what? He's related to you. Yes. By marriage, he is. Yes. Exactly. Did they need to know that too, or? Oh, that one's all right. <laughs> <laughs> what about Chili's most hated tech? I have, uh, I don't know if it was really shown in the movie, but rotary phones. <laughs> He'd be like, takes too dang long to call someone. This sucks. <laughs> I put down all the typewriters they would use because yeah. it's like, God, this freaking thing jams all the time. Yeah. No backspace. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good, dude. <laughs> oh my God. And he says, that's not funny, honey. Uh, I had the nurse comment, probably. That's a good one. Or no, 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 no. I have here uh, everybody attacking Susan's opera singing. Oh. She'd probably be like, that's harsh. That's too much. I think you're right. That's a very yeah. good pick. I wrote down whenever they are on their picnic, they're, they're in their tent, Kane and Susan, and she's yelling, and he's like, he says, you're in a tent, darling, not at home. I can hear you very well if you speak in a normal tone of voice. You remember that? Yes. Basically, like, can you- I'm just picturing now niece hearing that line and uh, her reactions giving me chills. <laughs> <laughs> She's not happy. Because I, I imagine all of us laughing and then her being like, that's, not, that's not funny. <laughs> She's angry. She's upset. Anyways, Andy's vacation spot? Xanadu. I was going to say, is there any doubt? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Maybe the cabin? Yeah, but no. They need- <laughs> it's got to be like Xanadu with Wi-Fi. There's no way he's going there in 1940. <laughs> you can't transport him there. And go-karts or like golf carts to take because it's like 100,000 acres. He can't walk like to the front gate. He would just use a sled. <laughs> he did. Oh my God. No, he needs a way to like get around his own property, even oh inside God. the property. You see how like wide open those spaces are? He would get tired of all those stairs. He would need like elevators everywhere too. Just based off of what I know about Andy anyways. What about Jay's chef kiss? I had here... She has a a thing for the elderly. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> Whoa. She really does. So, yeah. So I'm going to say probably older Leland. <laughs> She'd probably think that him wanting to smuggle in cigarettes to the hospital or, or cigars yeah. would make him cute. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a very good pick. I wrote down the uh, portrait of Thatcher. Because, again, she has a thing for the elderly. And, uh, yes. and he's very well dressed. So she'd been like, Row. oh, and then uh, also the uh, the elephant that's being carried by a crane at the beginning montage. Um, that's who she's. That's she's. That's she, she's gonna want a kiss from the elephant because mm. she's weird like that. Is what I'm trying to say yeah, here, yeah, guys. You're exactly right. I'm just saying. I guess I didn't know why. There's she's, no wrong answer. <laughs> I'm just saying she's weird like that. That's yeah. my point. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> oh wow. Steven, what's your losing it moment? There isn't one in this movie. There has to be one. There's not one. If there was one, it would probably be uh, the rosebud sled being thrown into the fire. Where everything's discovered. Where you're just like, oh. But really, there's not a moment where I'm just like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it would have been Susan leaving. I was happy about that. But I wasn't. That's not like a losing it You're not losing it. Or when Kane got the ripped up check in the mail from Leland. No? no. Not even? Not, not a losing it moment. Because he's throwing it in his face. Look at the yeah. principles that you yourself abandoned. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, oh, like, yeah. A, that's like a... I could see that. For, for me, losing it, has to, there has to be a level of excitement to it, too. Okay. And even though it's a good moment, it's got to be... You know, it, it, I think that category in itself is going to be better for like action movies. I think. I think so. Yeah, something it's tough. where something amazing happens and you're just like blown away from, you know. So let's go with the reveal of Rosebud. Then. Sure, sure. That's like that. that's about as high as it goes. Sure, that's about as high as it goes. <laughs> so level one to ten, on the losing it scale. Yeah, one. Jeez, <laughs> golly. Jeez, what the heck? That's I'm, as high as it goes. I'm like, I'm like, oh, and then it's over. <laughs> that fast? That fast. Jeez. Oh my god. Guys, that's the hit it takes. Nicely done. Yeah, good job. Very good job. You got through, JJ. Yeah, you did it. You survived. Oh man, I, I mean, I helped out just a little. <laughs> you did good, man. Don't worry. All right, guys, let's go ahead and close out this episode with our final segment last looks or last takes. I think we're still workshopping that title. Yeah. We'll, Maybe by season two, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll have it figured out. <laughs> um, and one of the things we talk about in this segment is the possibility of sequels or a continuation. I really, I truly don't think that there's any continuation to this story. This is a one and done. Somebody said in an article, and this is just the point of view of a writer, uh, and I looked it up. I literally typed in Citizen Kane sequel. Uh-huh. And uh, there was a writer who wrote an article, and he said that Orson Welles' final film, I think it's called The Other Side of the Wind, could be considered a sequel of sorts to Hmm. Citizen Kane. But maybe it's like in a spiritual sense, you know what I mean? And not anyway, because there's no continuation of these characters as far as I know. Um, I think I know what you guys are thinking. No sequel was necessary for this movie. Right. But if you were to do something now, like, oh, it's a must. We have to somehow utilize this... Uh, property, Citizen Kane, and do something with it, whether it's a Netflix show or another movie. The only characters that might be interesting for like a spinoff is that same photo magazine if they're looking into another story. Hmm, you know, not I about Kane, it. but they're looking into somebody else now. Right. And you could do somebody else's, you know, biopic or biopic, however you want to say it. So you're doing a Knives Out 
Yeah, essentially. 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 Right? Yeah. Right. Where you've got the detective, and he's the only common denominator between the two. Because mm-hmm. he's right. on a different case. Yeah. That's cool. That's the only thing I could think of. I'd get behind that. Yeah. But other than that, I, I don't see... Unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I agree. Unnecessary. But um, didn't they... Not recreate the movie, but didn't they come out a movie that talked about Citizen Kane? Or was about Citizen Kane? There's a movie called Mank that talks about the making of it, right? The making of it, and it's the and it's the screenwriter, or sorry, the writer that wrote this along with Wells. Um, Fincher did it, right? I think so. Yeah. 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 It was during the pandemic. Never, never seen. I didn't know it was that new. I never saw it. Yeah, I didn't see it. But, uh, but yeah, there's there's lots of references to Citizen Kane and the making of. I guess that would be one way of doing it. Oh, it's called Mank. Yeah, it came out in 2020 during the pandemic. 2020. Yeah. Wow. Gary Oldman's in it. There you go. Really? Yeah. Oh, you see, that guy should just be in everything. It's <laughs> just so good, man. Okay, so. After talking about this for almost two hours now, or at least that's what we talked about it. I don't know how much the listener is going to get, but after talking about it for so long, uh, what is your final score for Citizen Kane? I wrote down here, how upset am I going to be? That's part of why I'm needing to revise it. (laughs) Oh man, I'm gushing. Hey. I wrote, I wrote down B, but but I felt it might be disrespectful to do that. No, no, you have because to rate it what, no, no, what no, no, you no. think. But listen, but listen okay. to what I was like. Okay, okay, okay. It's a little disrespectful to give it a B because as when it comes to like movie analysis, movie reviews, movie criticism, or not criticism, critique, um, I am an undergrad. I'm I'm not somebody who's all the way up there. I do have opinions. I'd like to say that I know something, but um, if the most of the world is saying, you know, most of the the world that knows about movies that truly studies them says this is an A plus movie, how can I say different? Hmm. So after our discussion, my appreciation for the movie has gone up. I am going to bump up the B and give it an A. Man. Okay. Based on this discussion. Otherwise, I probably would have given it a a B in my heart Mm -hmm. and never told anybody. I'm actually really happy that you said this and you explained it this way because I feel that maybe one listener out there, it may be you, listener. Yes, you. Do you know who you are? We're pointing at you. Maybe you also will have a newfound appreciation for this movie after listening to us talk about it. That would be cool. Javi, what's your final score? By the way, you can use any metric you want, okay? And this isn't... This is just how you personally rate the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I guess there's like two scores. <laughs> two scores? Kind, kind <laughs> of like you. what Steven said. Like, there's that score, like appreciation for that movie. Um the talent the skill that was involved to make that movie mm. that's for me that's a a plus it's a 10 mm-hmm. but a score for me like just enjoying the movie give it to us man lay it on uh, yeah it's probably yeah don't don't be too generous <laughs> give us the real real 
Just say it. It's probably yeah. an eight. An eight. An eight. So what? That's like a B? An yeah. eight. Look at that. Hey, yeah. bro. An 8.0. Yeah. An eight. Of me enjoying the Ooh. That's a B minus. That's a, a B C minus. That's a C plus back in New Jersey. Okay, that's fine. That's all right. I can respect. I can respect. Yeah, that. like, that's fine. I'm okay with it. Like it's not, it's not a movie that I'm just gonna watch. It's fine. Like any day, you know. Like all right. No, yeah, no, it's <laughs> no, good. It's like, good. You have to be in the right. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and deviate from you two losers, and I'm going to say, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? I'm walking out. Dang. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No kidding. mercy. <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um. Yeah, I, I, I totally hear you guys. Don't worry. I, and I am in agreement. There's one thing between... Or, I'm sorry. One thing is to to watch a movie and appreciate it for all its technical aspects and everything it's done. And um, this movie is, without a doubt, one of the most, if not the most, influential movie of our time. Uh, because of everything that it did, did well, and the influence that it's had on movies for decades later. Yeah. And, and you can see that even now. Um, but at the same time, you want to watch a movie because you want to be entertained, mm-hmm. right? You want to go through the range of emotions. And one big metric for me is rewatchability. Yeah. If a movie is infinitely rewatchable, then it's going to rank very high. Exactly. On, uh, on my list. Um, and then the, re- the reasons I have for rewatching this movie is not to enjoy the story. It's to enjoy the technical aspects. Mm. Like me personally, I already want to rewatch this movie and I do want to buy it on 4K because I want to be able to see what techniques they were able to pull off back then and what I could personally do in any you know future project that I may want to try. Look at you. Trying to to kind of replicate or mimic some of those techniques, right? Oh. But I'm see, proud. Those I'm those proud. that's like my main motivation for rewatching it. He's not just taking from modern directors. You take from the, the old greats, too. Man. The old greats. That's, so, that's a real director right there. Before you know it, he's going to be watching oh French film, Akira Kurosawa. Uh, Kurosawa, I really do need to, actually. But the French, I'm going to wait a little bit. Gosh, he's, What's wrong with the French? No, nothing. Nothing's wrong with the French. I just don't yeah. know uh, French. I'll show you some French. <laughs> yes. That's a t-shirt, too. Man, we got three in this pod. I'll show you some French. I like that. My final my final score for this movie is a is a 9.4. Okay. It's not a 10 because I can't rewatch this over and over again. In fact, it's not even a 9.5 like a solid A because uh, I can't rewatch it over and over again. But I can rewatch scenes over and over, certain scenes because of just how they look and how I love them and I enjoy them. And again, I'm looking at big picture and the impact this has had and all the thought and care that went into making it. And I mean, I guess you could say just the uh, how daring they were to go against the norms of the time. And it paid off. I mean, after a while, because it did bomb, but it did pay off after a while. All of that combined equals my score. Beautiful. Oh, that's pretty high. Alrighty, guys. Well, that concludes the group discussion of one of cinema's all-time classics, and that is Citizen Kane. Uh, I personally, I'm really happy. I guess we didn't mention this earlier um, whenever we started this, but this is my first, it's all of our first time watching this movie. And, uh, And we really wanted to because we have such a love and appreciation of movies in general. How could we not watch what's considered 
the greatest of all time. So I am personally very happy that I was able to watch it. Same. And that I was able to discuss it with you guys. Because in this discussion, uh, I feel that it's increased even more my appreciation for it. Yes. Just like how you guys have said too, right? Right. And regardless of how we feel about it, it's just good to, you know, have it under your belt, you know, that you've seen it. You've mm-hmm. seen these great films. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to agree with mm-hmm. how everybody else feels about them, but it's good that you gave it a chance yes. and that you are able to take something from it that you can appreciate. Yeah, exactly. How, how do you feel now having discussed this movie at length? Tired. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean pretty much what both of y'all said. You know, like, oh, I was right. You know, just, just appreciate more what. Uh, not necessarily just this movie, but just films in general, mm-hmm. movies in general. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the point of this pod, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it fits right into what we're trying to do. So, listeners out there, if you've stuck with us up until this point, we greatly appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we highly recommend watching citizen kane it may not be your cup of tea and that's okay that's fine but it's still a cup of tea you should give it a try there you go that's a fantastic line thanks and with that we say cut rosebud